Speaking of reliability, a podcast with good friends talking with you about reliability engineering topics. Welcome to Speaking of Reliability. This is Fred Tranquilberg. And this is Chris Jackson. And Fred and I were just talking about um, one of our favorite topics, which is autonomous vehicles and why they aren't here yet. Well, I saw something in the news yesterday that Amazon is turned on uh, uh, using drone deliveries, I think in a couple areas in California and I think in Arizona, if I remember right. There's a couple of locations where they're trying to use delivery drones. And it's been active for three months, and they've only delivered to 10 households. And it might be, they didn't say whether it was multiple deliveries to those 10 households. Maybe they found just the, the one house in all of Arizona that is free and clear of obstructions and they can actually get to. So they offer the drone delivery to that house. I, I don't know. It just sounded like the adoption rate of, is, is slow. Um, but so, what was the discussion at Rams with the? You were talking about it at Rams with autonomous vehicles. Is this with the? I know that you studied this in the past quite a bit. So, what would you find out? Well, I mean, it's just the sort of the age-old um, back and forth between um, uh, you know the regulators and the regulated and the academics who. I don't know, they like to have their feet in each side. But um, it's, it's funny how, I think we've talked about this in the past, how the amount of regulation associated with, or perceived regulation, the perceived bar you need to clear in order for this stuff, for these vehicles to be on the road, is uh, quite high. It's so high that no one can see it. Um, but do you remember when... Uh, vaping cigarettes came out or whatever you call them, vaporizers. I mean, they came out without <laughs> any research. They were billed as the uh, the saving grace for cigarettes. They didn't have smoke, didn't have this, that and the other. So they were rolled out and you could see people take them up almost immediately mm-hmm. without essentially batting an eyelid. And we know that vapes are not cool and they're still out there. Um, and it doesn't appear to be the uproar that one might expect when, or that one that people lead, lead us to believe is going to happen when the same thing happens with autonomous vehicles. So, it's I, I, my perspective is that the regulators, it, this all comes in the regulators. The regulators need to be the adult in the room, and if they are part of the, if they are part of the mass of children who are throwing food in the classroom, they're already lost. They're they, they're not respected. You, you, other other children don't respect other children per se. The regulators need to be the adult in the room. And you can look at let's look at the Boeing 737 MAX debacle with that poorly thought out MCAS system, which led to two catastrophic crashes. Yes, Boeing was wrong and bad, very, very wrong. But to suggest that the regulators didn't allow that to happen is just ludicrous. The, the regulators, the FAA and, and the equivalent bodies across the world have firstly, one, made it very, very, very difficult to certify aircraft that are ostensibly a new model, which then sort of forces, well, motivates organisations like Boeing to try and convince regulators that this is only a slight change to an existing model. And the MCAS is actually 
result of that conversation to try and can essentially say this is still a 737 i know it's com- handles completely different but we'll sneak this mcas system in there to make sure it handles like all the other 737s so we don't need to train pilots so that's the first issue they motivate poor behaviors in um in aircraft manufacturers by making it so difficult to certify essentially a brand new plane well there, and secondly, there was something else in the news the other day it was the boeing said their next new model was like 15 years away they right. were just not it's so expensive to do it correct and so you have this sort of you know, this competitive tension where you want to well manufacturer trying to um incorporate incremental change into existing airframes because the certification is a lot easier etc cetera, etc cetera. but that's one of the motive that's one of the behaviors which led directly to poor decision making on behalf of Boeing that led to those those that those two um uh crashes and not many people talk about that mm-hmm. well i mean a similar scenario plays out with prescription drugs it's the the right. the drug agencies spend as much or more money trying to get it you know through the fda or the uh, cdc or whoever it is that says yep you can you can offer the these to people um but it's it's kind of a good and a bad thing it's well what is the right bar right right level but what i think what you're getting at with the autonomous vehicles is that it's it'll be it'll be qualified when it's good enough and they're like all right well what's that <laughs> you know how do right. we, how do we actually know what's good right and, and essentially um the uh the regulators are saying well we're not going to tell you what needs to happen for it to be safe but you're going to, we want you to show us everything then we'll make a determination and you go that's just if i was to summarize it people might argue no no there's more than this and i go no, compare that to other regulatory frameworks where there is like federal motor vehicle safety standards for example let's right. do that you need to have a seat belt does it have a seat belt yes does a seat belt stop people from all that stuff oh good no worries Seat belt's good. But when it comes to autonomous vehicles, we have a, an industry or regulatory industry which is so trained to being risk averse, uh, signing off on stuff with being specific enough to be able to certify it easily by inspection. And does this have ABS? Yes or no. Does this have um, a seat belt? Yes or no, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But then the same industry is saying, well, we don't know what safe is, but you show us everything you got and then we'll make a determination. And that, that the, motive, the behavior that motivates in, the, in a sort of broadly similar way that uh, aggressive certification requirements on new aircraft have on aircraft manufacturers is that autonomous vehicle manufacturers shut down information sharing because all they're doing by exposing information to regulators is giving the regulator regulator a reason to say no and the manufacturer is saying well if you can't tell us what it's going to take for you to say yes you're damn sure not going to get information from me for you to say no and the regulators just do not understand that or don't want to and neither do their academics it's just um and then they complain about regulators not sharing information and information they're putting out is false and there is merit behind that some of the accusations are 100 percent correct yeah. But it stems from this, uh, from this culture, from this this behaviour, which they're motivating in our in our um, in, in our autonomous vehicle manufacturers to 
be super careful with what you share because we'll tell you if it's wrong can't tell you what it's right what's right yeah now it, it's a dilemma that they're in um i know many regulations and many standards even in the stuff we use for product testing uh for reliability and safety and so on are usually after the fact something has occurred something bad has happened a committee gets together they get a lowest common denominator they all look and agree on and it gets rolled out and usually incompletely is you know i'm can think of a handful of different reg regulations and standards and so on that really make no sense whatsoever. I've regularly stayed out of the regulatory field because my head would explode with how country, how inconsistent and self-contradictory a lot of these things are. I think another part of this, though, is that the 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 auto safety folks in particular are they don't want to define what is good it be, until they have a good read on what's the public perception of what is good. Because if they set it at, at X level X and they roll out a bunch of vehicles that meet that requirement and then a bunch of people have really bad problems with it, now they're on the hook. They set the wrong standard. Um, so I don't know how much politics plays a role in it, but I suspect there's some of it. And some of it is we don't know. And another dilemma that could come out of this is that once we set a requirement for autonomous vehicles, we'll realize that people really should not be driving vehicles because they're <laughs> not really capable to meet this requirement to be safe on the road. Exactly. I mean, we've talked about it in the past where you had this ridiculous, and I do mean ridiculous, academic website put together, which uh, essentially was polling people or at the very least asking for feedback on this dilemma should an autonomous vehicle if it has the choice kill an 80 year old woman versus a three-month-old baby and you go and uh, the immediate response should be shut that site down because we don't train human beings to make that call which is the standard that's the standard if you to pass a driver's license test they don't say okay here's your scenario take down. yeah and train them to do that all right so we got we're going to go this test track we're going to put a few dummies up um, the correct answer is 80-year-old women. <laughs> so you got to go through this uh, quarter-mile track at least 60 miles an hour and make sure you take out all the grannies and leave all the babies. I mean, that sounds silly when I say it, but that's the reality when we have this endless academic pondering, which then d distracts the regulators, go, oh, geez, we better, better think about that. But no one in the regulatory body is coming out and saying just – needs to make the decisions commensurate with a human being who passes a driver's license test. No one says that. Yeah. Got to think about Well, that becomes the, the criteria is, is if we're setting a standard for this autonomous system to make decisions and operate as, it, as well as a human, well, that's a pretty darn low standard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not going to get drunk. Um, you know, the, the ability to, to modify behavior of autonomous vehicles is extraordinarily high. Um, and this, this regulatory sort of need or, or perceived need to make sure we release anything with no perceived risk. Well, right. good luck with that. Yeah, um, we're not going to have it. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's, and there's, there's no single federal motor vehicle safety standard which was – 
which um, mandated a vehicle feature until after that feature became man, uh, became a standard uh, standard feature in at least one production vehicle. Um, there's no reason that the only, the only reason we're required to wear seat belts now is because manufacturers came up with the idea of having seat belts and then the regulatory body said, that's a good idea, let's, co- let's codify that. So yeah. they've been 100% reactionary. Well, that goes with the uh, ABS, you know, the uh, automatic ABS. braking systems. And, exactly. And uh, now you see more and more, and I don't know if it's mandated, but the uh, the front viewing cameras that give you warnings of lane departure and uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know things like that. Um, I don't know if that's required. I, I haven't bought a new car in a long time, but um, no. there's. I agree with you. I think a lot of the folks all got together, and the and the folk, the team at Volvo said, "Well, how can we really piss off the rest of these people by let's put seatbelts in all of our vehicles? <laughs> let's let's do let's make our cars really safe and make them all look pretty bad. Let's do crumple zone in the front. Let's do you know." And um, for a while, that was the sales benefit. If you wanted a safe vehicle, you got that model that had right. these extra features in it and that became a selling point for some some of the manufacturers the hard part is is that uh, i think there's another layer to this whole issue is that there's if you ask 10 different people what's good enough for an autonomous vehicle some will say hey it's good enough right now i'm in i'm looking for that auto taxi and i'll, I'll jump in right. and go and others are no we're, i need more data i need more evidence um individuals like regulatory agencies have a, a risk appetite and certain level of, of easiness or uneasiness with the the whole concept and so it's i think that complicates it greatly is there's not an international right. or national standard for how risk how much risk you should take well, that's where it comes down to critical thinking. So if you go back to the FAA and your comment about, you know, look look what happened with, with the Boeing 737 where it had this non-mandated but clear motivation instilled in manufacturers to try and incrementally change existing models and argue that these are incremental changes. And in the one of the symptoms of that reality is that, like you said, um, Boeing's not in, not planning on creating a new new airframe for a long, long time. That goes against everything we believe that a high-tech industry should be aspiring to. It should be constant um, R&D, constant pushing the envelope in terms of safety and performance and everything else. But if they're not making a new product, a new model until 15 years from now, I mean, that's relatively unheard of. Um, But that's due to, in no small part, because of the exhausting certification process that uh, the regulatory bodies um, require these days. But some people might say, well, air travel is very safe because of that approach. And you're not wrong, but this black and white, this is how it needs to be versus this is how it shouldn't need to be, that doesn't work in the real world. It's always, you always need to have nuance and critical thinking and direction. And at the end of the day, like we can po- we can point to two large airframes which hit the ground and killing everyone on board because at least in part of that motivation to try and argue incremental change and that's where the regulator ceases being the adult in the room they start being the other party slinging mud because then it turns out that after that happened uh, boeing was essentially cozying up uncomfortably with the regulatory body they then 
accepted regulatory decision making on behalf of the FAA. And now you look at two, you, you look at two parties where one is just as bad as the other. We say that about children. <laughs> we, yeah. That's a phrase we say about children all the time. One is as bad as the other. Um, Fukushima, another example, where you look at the uh, TEPCO, the operator, and you look at the regulatory regulatory body with regu- regulatory capture. One was as bad as the other. Now we have this scenario where we have for autonomous vehicles regula- regulators saying, "I don't know what you need to do, but I'll tell you when it's. I'll tell you if you're wrong." All right, <laughs> that sort of sniping. You know, yeah. you, we all know we all know that kid in the classroom. We all grew up with that kid who was, you know, just that sad sack who wanted to point out where everyone else was wrong and failing in life but had no meaningful contribution to life themselves. That's what you risk becoming when you just simply say, we're not tell you what we need to see. We'll tell you what's what's wrong when you do show us, though. Well, it comes to the... Part of it is it's a big moving target and depending on what particular group of people are there and what their, I, I call it, risk appetite is, is that you'll get a different answer and all over the map. And there's a, it's a massive problem. I think regulatory agencies and, and so on do have a role to play. And if, if, Hell yeah. And yet they're not picking up the mantle of, well, what's good enough? They're not defining that. And I, I, but I sympathize with that's a difficult objective. Um, but uh, training it to well, I don't know. I kind of I'm thinking of the iRobot uh, books. I, I'm trying to think. It was uh, was it Isomoff or or Clark that wrote those, the the robot trilogy. Uh, uh, I think it was Asimov. Asimov. I've, yeah, he had I've three rules, right? Books from Clark. He had basically three rules. This is what. It's got a, this is what a, a robot or an autonomous creature or entity has to have, you know, do no harm or something like that. It had three rules and it, and it was built into them and that made them good enough. <laughs> mm-hmm. They could go do this stuff. But it was, I don't know that we know how to code those rules into an autonomous vehicle. But you can't. That's the thing. You cannot do it. They will. Well, it worked in science fiction. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) But all all we can do is is plan and mature the technology as best as we can in a benign environment, which is what we're doing now, where you have Google is driving, has done millions of miles worth of driving on public roads using autonomous vehicles, where there's a driver behind the wheel ready to step in. Um, that data is readily available, at least in California, and the data shows that most of the incidents involve someone hitting that car, or a human being driving another car hitting that car. Yep. Um, they're, they're facts. It's not perfect, but uh, the vehicle is not perfect. But we are. Uh, we it comes a point where you can't mature it anymore in a benign environment or developmental environment, and you have to unleash the beast on the roads. And that's where learning becomes exponential. And that's what we that's what we desperately need. We need someone with uh, kahunas to essentially say, we're going to make this happen now. We're going to put in safeguards, but we just need to pre- not pre- stop pretending there's no risk involved. But here's the payoff. If we can, if, if we can stop being a government which 
enables these naysaying regulators. If we become a proactive regulatory body, then that's when, when manufacturers buy in because you need to have them buy in and we give them a reward for good vehicle behavior. That's when all of a sudden you have a race to towards safety, but it's not risk-free and you can't quantify it. Yeah. It's a philosophy which has, which you see in so many inventions over the years. I mean, look at vaccines. Vaccines are a wonderful way to stop human beings from failing, so to speak. But you and I know how vaccines first came to be. There's some <laughs> unethical experimentation going on. Let's see what happens when we inject this stuff into this person. Yeah. Um, and not saying we need to be unethical, but there is you can't have a a wonderful risk-saving paradigm as a rule without experiencing at least some different or, or, or new risk when you introduce that paradigm into the into the into the conscience of the public and we just need to learn from it that's that's what we're missing yeah yeah no i totally agree it's and i keep waiting it, <laughs> it's it's coming uh, and, and all kinds of cool new inventions and flying cars flying autonomous right. cars that would be way fun go back to the jetsons in the cartoon but autonomous vehicles right now in most countries are going to happen in spite of regulators and not because of them. Yeah. And so we're going. So that means that we'll, you know, stay tuned for regulatory regulatory bodies to continue this wailing and moaning about, you know, reg, uh, manufacturers not taking them seriously, etc., etc. So that's not going to change anytime soon because when it does happen and it's going to happen, it's going to happen in spite of the regula regulators and not because of them. No, I agree with that. So it's one of those that, um, you know, from a reliability point of view, I'm thinking, yeah, it's worth understanding the dynamics of all these standards and re regulations and cons constraints and everything else that are placed on us. And some of them are there for really good reasons. Some of them are legacy from uh, ages, ages and ages ago and really dissimilar technologies. And so it's... It, there's times and place for the regulatory agencies and standards bodies and so on, yet it's it's not time to check your thinking at the door. and You, you still need no. to bring that in with you and consider all this stuff. I don't know. It's a, I'm, I'm, I remember years ago we, we were on a, at a table and we asked, you know, would you get an autonomous vehicle today? And I think it was half and half. Everybody that was from the Detroit area said no. And everybody else uh, that wasn't in the Detroit industries, uh, auto industries, said, yeah, sure. And I, I wonder how that would change today, a number of people that would would say they get into it. So if you're listening to this, let us know. Would you get into an Have you been in an autonomous taxi, for example? Uh, would you get into one? And if not, why not? What, what's the what's the holdup? Are you waiting for the regular t regulators? Um, that might be a wait. Um, but let us know. Head over to ascendoreliability.com slash go slash SOR. Well, thinking of a different one I just set up this morning. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, and Chris and I and the other hosts of the show are available through LinkedIn and our about pages on the site. So we thoroughly enjoy your input into the show. That's why we're up over 800 episodes, uh, quickly approaching 900 episodes. And a good part of that is because of the feedback we get and comments and questions that allow us to 
to run amok for a few minutes on some topic that is of interest to you. So let us know. Um, with that, Chris, um, so did your discussion at Rams come to a conclusion or is it? Oh, hello. Everyone's right. <laughs> well, well, I'll have to ask you some more about how that conference went. At, at, next time we chat, we'll let you uh, recover from the trip and then we'll, we'll chat, chat about it some more. No worries, Fred. All right. Thanks, Chris. Talk to you again soon. Always a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Speaking of Reliability. We invite you to join the conversation if you have a question or a topic that you think we should discuss in a future show, please let us know. You can find a comment box below the episode show notes or just leave a note as part of a review on iTunes.